The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. Would you turn your attention to Matthew chapter 1? Uh, today's, today's sermon title is A Life Altering Lesson from God's Stepdad. Probably never thought about it this way before, but God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, the eternal Son of God who became a human for us, was born to a virgin Mary, uh, begotten of the Holy Spirit, but raised by a dad who wasn't his natural father. And so uh, God had a stepdad. <clears throat> you know him as Joseph from your nativity scene. And so this morning we're going to get a little Christmas in June as we look to the nativity scene of Matthew chapter 1 starting in verse 18. Let's read it together. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. I think it's ironic that that's how Matthew starts because Matthew is the only writer that gives us the Joseph narrative. Luke gives us Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary. Joseph's kind of like an accessory. Uh, Matthew really highlights the Joseph story and that's what this passage is about, but it has to do with the birth of Jesus Christ. And so if if any of the dads in the house have ever tried to uh, tell a birth story, you should stop (laughs) because... Because you help for like five seconds, you know? And then your job is to help after the fact, but all the women own the birth story. It's going to get amen. Yeah, so we don't know what it's like. We don't want to know what it's like. We just honor you. We have a whole day for you too. Uh, thank God for women. Some of you guys are doing it yourself. No dad around, and we're going to talk about that too. But Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When... His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. God, we thank you for your word that has been read in our hearing. God, we thank you that it is delivered to us, inspired of the Holy Spirit, that has been preserved for us this morning. This 2,000-year-old document has power to transform, has power to reveal who you truly are, what we truly need, and how to receive every good thing from your hand. God, I pray for those who are listening, who are distant from you, who do not have faith, who maybe disbelieve in your even existence, and for whatever reason find themselves listening to these words, I gotta pray that your truth would find a home in their heart. Lord, for every person who's a a disciple of Jesus who's seeking daily to follow after you, gotta pray that you would strengthen us, that you would 
uh, renew our minds, that you would expose the lies we believe, that you would set our feet on firm ground, that we might experience your blessing and your best and also be a blessing to the world around us. God, a world in great need. Lord, let your truth find a home in us and then through us bring light and life to all people. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. In an effort to uh, deconstruct the family, sometimes known as the nuclear family, academics and activists alike are seeking to minimize the role of dads and convince us that kids are no better off with or without dad. In a New York Times article entitled, What Are Fathers For?, contributor Hannah Rosen opens her post, I'm not sure that a child needs a father. Several Huffington Post articles that I found also echoed this idea, one of which was called Fathers Are Not Needed and Three Reasons Why Father's Day Should Be Abolished. 2010 Atlantic Magazine essay titled, Are Fathers Necessary?, and the subtitle was, a Paternal Contribution May Not Be As Essential As We Think. Author Pamela Paul concludes this kind of anecdotal argument about how women are just better at everything, and so having two moms is way better than a dad, and really all dads do is contribute a paycheck, and she tries to access some information to convince us of that, and then she ends the, the article with this. The bad news for dad is that despite common perception, there's nothing objectively essential about his contribution. The good news is we've gotten used to him. None taken, <laughs> you know? It's kind of like just a social thing that you take it or leave it. Now, this is actively being pushed to dads. And I will just tell you, as a dad uh, who fails sometimes, that I have an inner voice telling me that some, sometimes maybe my kids would be better off without me around, <laughs> you know? And if you have conflict in your marriage, sometimes your wife might say the same thing. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but there's too many voices trying to diminish dad. Um, and that can find an echo in our own heart as dads, particularly young dads, or maybe, maybe old dads, maybe dads who uh, are distant and trying to reconnect. There's a lot of internal and external opposition. And I want to draw your attention uh, to the Joseph story because it reveals to us uh, how God feels about dads and the importance of dads and how you can have every confidence that God made you who you are on purpose, that he has a, a design and a plan that you fit into and that dads are not only essential, uh, being the kind of dads that God's called us to be literally will, will shape the world. And this doesn't in any way diminish the role of moms or women uh, this is the design that God has for us. And this is true, and scientists know this. Uh, the academics are pulling the wool over our eyes. Um, very easy access to data will tell us that kids that are raised without a dad are four times more likely to live in poverty, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, 15 times more likely to commit suicide, 32 times more likely to run away from home, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. And these are just, this is just data. And so the evidence, the science is in the favor of dad, and yet there's still this push to deconstruct. And the easiest person to pick off in the nuclear family is the non-birthing person. And so if we can get rid of him, we can really start to change this thing up. 
Now, this morning's message is not an attack on unconventional families. Do you know, Christ Church, we exist to, to the world, for the world. That's why we are here. And so there's people who don't think like, like us. They don't have the same values as us. There's people that we, we, you ought to know people that don't fit the paradigms of the scriptures. I have friends who are lesbian mothers who have two kids of their blended family and have ado- adopted through foster care at least three more. And they're amazing women and they have a beautiful family. And there's a lot about them that I rejoice in. I'm trying to do is present to the church and through the church to the world, God's design how it's purposeful and important not to tear anybody else down, but to build up what God says is good and true. Do you know that? And so because of those inner voices and because of the external pressure, it's important that we really think about these things. And the Joseph story does that for us. The Joseph story does that for us. It shows us the importance of dad. There's three things in this story as we go through it that will emerge and will encourage every single person in the room, dads especially, but this is a message for, for everyone. Everyone, look back at uh, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Now obviously he's the primary character and this is about his uh, appearance, his arrival. And that's what Matthew's about. Matthew is a gospel. It's a storytelling of Jesus. And it's unique among the four because it's to a Jewish audience. And so it's all about fulfilling the details of the Old Testament. And so again and again and again, you'll read, this was to fulfill this prophecy, and this was to fulfill this prophecy, and this was to fulfill this prophecy. The reason Matthew's gospel begins with the genealogy is to show the royal bloodline that leads to Jesus. This is for the Jews. And so this is a very Jewish gospel. And so this is the reason why Joseph comes front and center, because he is at the center of filling out the prophecies made about Jesus, and that's what this section of scripture is. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother had been betrothed, somebody say betrothed. Uh, got any engaged couples in the room today? Recently married, where you at? We do engagement a little different in the United States. Uh, you get engaged, and um, you still have some time. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like a soft commitment. It's one step up from, and now it's like one step up from living together. <laughs> like uh, everybody, we got this all kind of out of order. But in the first century in, in Israel, uh, if you were betrothed, there was decisions made between family members. It wasn't necessarily like your fathers just gave their kids away. But you'd be in, you'd be in a relationship that was really a, a, a whole, two whole families involved in this relationship. And once there was a commitment, you were betrothed, but you, you didn't live together and the marriage wasn't consummated through uh, sexual intimacy. And so you were, you were as connected as you possibly would. And then you'd have this period of time of training and preparation that would uh, uh, end up in your wedding. You remember back then, there's no internet, there's no phones, invitations, parties were done different. Hey, we're having a wedding. When? Soon. We'll let you know when it's a day away. And so you get two invitations, a coming soon and tomorrow's the day. And this is kind of how the, the world worked. And so you had this betrothal period. And so they were betrothed. Before they came together, so not yet married, Mary's found to be with, with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow. How do you break that news? I'm pregnant, but it's different than you think. So this is a complex situation. And aren't you glad that the Bible's written in complex situations? Uh, because uh, life got weird. Every, every one of us are in a com- convoluted, uh, combined, and unusual set of circumstances, even trying to, to describe your relational status, married, single, divorced, widowed. It's complicated. And yet, this is what God speaks into. This is what God works in the middle of. And so here we have a pregnant, young, engaged bride and her husband, who being a just man, verse 19 tells us, is unwilling to put her to shave, shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he's gonna do the right thing by her. He's gonna do the upright thing. He's gonna end this relationship without making a big fuss about it, which could be very dishonoring to him in, a, in an honor-shame kind of culture. 
um, but he's gonna do the best he can to not bring scorn onto her family. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, as he considered these things, I love this line because it reminds me uh, that God doesn't act to prevent all of your troubles. Sometimes we, all our prayers are about, God, would you just keep me out of this problem? Would you, would you solve this? Would you make it safe and clear and give me wisdom and provision? We'd like to just walk around with everything going right, and that's sometimes our expectation, isn't it? Sometimes we can feel like we're not experiencing God's blessing or provision or protection if things are going wrong, but that's not how God works. He's happy to let things go sideways for a minute, but he likes to meet you in the middle. And so here's Joseph considering divorcing his young bride. Think about, think about the heartache and the confusion and the anger and the embarrassment, all of these emotions he's experiencing. And in the middle of that, because he's a man, he's asleep. <laughs> and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The first thing that emerges from this chosen story, or this Joseph story, is this idea of, of being chosen. Somebody say chosen. 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 Dads, if you're here in the house, no matter what your circumstance, how complicated, no matter how much, uh, whether it's the picture of perfection or that it's very convoluted and complicated and painful, you have been chosen to be the father of your children. We see that in the, in the Joseph story. Tiffany and I on vacation were having a theological conversation around the sovereignty of God and the plan of Jesus. Matthew is all about God fulfilling his sovereign plan to bring about Jesus as the savior and all of the details, crazy number of details all coming together to confirm this is Jesus. We were saying God's obviously sovereignly involved in bringing about these details, but what level of sovereignty comes to each of our lives? Is it identical or is God kind of like more open with our lives but very, very involved with the Jesus life? You ever had those conversations or asked those questions? Sure, God does amazing things, but does he do it just here and here does he do it just here or is it for everyone is he attending the details of my life this is the kind of thing pastors and their wives talk about on vacation <laughs> but i love i'd love you to consider that just as joseph was chosen dads you, you were chosen you were picked for this this is not an accident you're, you're not the result of a world filled with brute facts and evolutionary biology and just meandering details and intersections. And No, you were chosen by God to be the dad to your children. Look at how this emerges for Joseph. Uh, you guys know Joseph. Uh, there's a couple famous Josephs in the Bible. Any other one come to mind? Think about the way that God intervenes into history to engage with Joseph in the middle of his confusion, in the middle of his mess. The most famous Joseph is Joseph, the son of, of Jacob, who is the main feature character of the book of Genesis. I don't know if you know this or not, more of the book of Genesis and more of the whole uh, Pentateuch, all of Moses, is, is given to Joseph than any other character. And so you read about Joseph, and we've got tons of movies about him, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Anybody seen live performance, a little Joseph action? How about the twin uh, DreamWorks uh, animated films, Prince of Egypt, Joseph, what was the other one? Oh yeah, King of Dreams. And so you have Joseph as this character whose life is characterized by a series of dreams. He has these dreams as a young child, favored of his father, of all of his brothers bowing down before him. And because he's, you know, the 11th son, he, 
tells them all how wonderful his dreams are and how they're all gonna worship him just like his dad does. <laughs> Not smart. So his, his dreams get him into a hole and then his dreams get him into a prison and his dreams get him into slavery. But it's in that prison that his dreams get him into the palace. And so Joseph is the quintessential dreamer, the one who God speaks to through dreams. Do you know that? I don't know if you ever noticed this before in the Christmas kind of passages in the, in the nativity narratives, uh, over and over and over again, God sends an angel to reveal his plan about, about Jesus. He does that with Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of Jesus, the prophet of Malachi that was, that was foretold. And it's an angel that appears to Zechariah in the temple, just hanging out. What's up? Can we talk? Zechariah falls to the ground. Or Mary When God breaks the news to Mary, how does he do it? He sends the top-notch angel, Gabriel, and he appears to Mary. When the shepherds who are watching their flocks by night hear the good news that is of great joy for all people, who heralds that news to them? Angels. And yet when God is going to speak to Joseph to let him know his role in this Jesus story, how his life is gonna be impacted by being a stepdad, how does he choose to do it? Look at verse 20 again. As he considered these things in the middle of his mess, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. See, your name means a lot, doesn't it? Your name, I'm Jesse James, by the way. I don't know if you know that, my middle name is James. I have a brother who's Casey Jones by the way. And, and any of you Joni Mitchell fans, we, got a, we have a Chelsea morning in the family. Yep. I can't remember which, I think it was my sister Brittany. We weren't, they, my parents weren't sure if she was going to be a boy or a girl, and so she was going to be Brittany LaBelle. LaBelle's named after a family member, but my mom was convinced she was going to be a boy. My dad said we needed to have a boy named Justin Case, and she said it's not going to be a boy. And she said, okay, if it is a boy, we're going to name him Justin Case. That was going to be his name. Yep. My dad's here, by the way. Happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> Listen, it was, it was an interesting way to grow up, I'll tell you. Uh, but but uh, in, in, the, in the study of my, my maternal grandfather's house, there was a portrait, a pencil drawing of Jesse James, the, the gentleman from Missouri. And so that, that portrait, my mom grew up seeing this portrait of Jesse James. She always liked that name. So like being named Jesse James, I can tell you all sorts of stuff about the historical figure, Jesse James, you wouldn't otherwise know. Everybody kind of has a picture of him. Didn't he shoot up some trains and some banks? What did he do? I can tell you all kinds of stuff. Why? Because that's my name. That's where it comes from. And listen, being a boy named Jesse is almost as hard as being a boy named Sue. All right? So <laughs> you, need to, you need to have some tough stories. You need to be a... If you can connect, you know, and then Rick Springfield went and ruined everything by spelling our name wrong. Now, now every, everybody born under 40 puts an unnecessary feminine I right there in the middle of it. I'm sorry if you've spelled your name wrong your whole life, whatever. <laughs> but you know, you know that name, and so here we, I think it's just amazing to me how God interacts with Joseph, and it's actually the same way he interacts with each of us. He knew how to get to Joseph. He knew how to get his attention. He knew how to make a revelation. It wasn't just appearing uh, as an angel, which, which is pretty dramatic, you know? Zechariah about wet himself. Um, Mary, everybody, fear not, fear not. Everybody has this terror, terror response to this angel. The shepherds know no different. Um, but when it came to Joseph, God spoke to him in a dream. You see the... 
the intimacy, the personal connection. Do you see how he's, he knows how Joseph's wired? He knows how he made him. He saw this day and he picked this man to be the stepdad of the eternal God-man, Jesus. It's no small, small order. He was chosen. He was chosen for this. Hmm. I wonder how many of us dads need a healthy dose of I was made for this. Because a lot of days, uh, I just have to step out on the porch and my eyes are really big. Bedtime is like a nightmare. Some some days, you you ever just, I mean, all of us dads, at some point you just cross that line, that lose it line. And it looks different for each of us. I'm not saying it all looks the same. Don't try to project your lose it on me. Might be different. But uh, you just get to that point where you've just been pushed too hard too long and you're just like, and you just, you lose it. And sometimes you go and shut yourself in a room and implode, like one of those sneezes you won't let out. Just all happens in here. And sometimes you just get in the car and drive off, you know, or it's so crazy. We, we, we go to work, we work really hard, we come home, we want to relax. We have four small kids ready to pull at us. And we're just like, the commute to work's very sh- short. The commute home's kind of windy and long, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, and, and you just get this sense of like, man, sometimes you just feel like you're pushed past your capacity. Maybe this is, I'm talking to young dads right now, but some of you dads, you, you got all the way into adulthood and you thought at some point you'd stop giving them money and now they're 47 and you're just, oh my goodness, when does it end? You know, you had this idea at 18, you were done. You're like, no, no, no. Some of them are dropping off your grandkids. Like, can you do this? I'm out. You know, I don't know how all this is working, but you get to this point where you're just like, I can't. But the reality is, brothers, you were made for this. You were literally designed by the creator to do this. You were wired for it, and not only that, you know who the best dad to the kids in your life is? You! We do this thing where we compare ourselves to other people. I wish I could do that, I wish I was better at this, I wish I was more like this guy, and you feel less than, less than, less than. I'm here to tell you this morning, good news from King Jesus, you were made for this. You were chosen for this. There is not another person to do what God picked you to do. We see that in the way he decides to interact with Joseph, the calling that he gives him. But that calling, while has having big implications for the rest of the world, you know. And, and think about this for a second. Joseph lost Jesus at one point, okay? So can we all take a collective breath? <laughs> like, you're entrusted with the, the word, the eternal word, by which all things were created, in whom all things hold together, and you leave them. You just, you just walk, walked off and left him. I thought you had him. Can you imagine being there for that conversation with Mary and Joseph? Where's, where's Jesus? I thought you had Jesus. <laughs> I was just over here talking to Malachi for three days. Where have you been? You know? And you know, it had, to, it had to come up like, you always do this. This is not my responsibility. He was with you last. I asked you. Blah, 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 blah. Can just imagine Joseph. Ah! I'm sure he had a moment where he thought, I am not made for this. <laughs> But it's not true. You were made for it, and you were chosen for it. A lot of times when we talk about chosen in the Bible, we immediately go to uh, ideas of election and and salvation and who's going to end up in heaven and who's going to end up in hell. Do you know that the, the idea of chosen, though, all throughout the Old Testament is not about eternal destination? It's about the purpose of God and the blessing of God that's supposed to flow to all people and where it's going to end up. This is why God chose Jacob and not Esau. This should, have been the tri- the, this should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, if you're following the birthright, isn't it? 
And the whole Genesis story is talking about how sneaky Jacob's trying to steal the blessing when all along God had chosen him for it in the first place. You can't steal something from God. But he was chosen. Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. He wasn't mad at him. He just chose the blessing to go through the younger son because God's all about doing things in ways we don't expect. And sometimes maybe that's you being the dad to those kids. <laughs> Would not have seen that coming, but here they are. You were chosen for this. And you were chosen to be a conduit of God's blessing uh, to the next group of people. And so here, can we just collectively say, all the dads, can we just say, I was made for this? Three, two, one. I was made for this. Say it again, that wasn't convincing. Three, two, one. I was made for this. That was better. You're gonna say it like 20 more times every night until they move out. I don't know. You were made for this. And that's not just true for dads. Ladies in the house listening today, same goes for you. Same is true for you. You were made for this. There's a better person for the job that God's assigned you to than you. Secondly, and more briefly, uh, not only are you chosen, but you are equipped. Somebody say equipped. Listen, God will always give you the tools you need. And I, I know this because my earthly father does this. How many, how many of you guys grew up with a dad that said, right tool for the right job, raise your hand. How many, how many of you been walked up on by your dad while you're stripping out a nut off your bicycle with a pair of channel locks? <laughs> my dad gave me a, a socket set and a wrench set for Christmas one year. I was probably 10, 11, 12. I don't even know how old I was. Right tool for the right job. By 13, I was Frankensteining bikes in the front yard and fixing other kids' bikes for money and changing chains and tires and taking all these bike parts. And I had every single tool that I needed for, for bikes. All of them right there, under my bed. Whoosh, got my tools. And I've been collecting tools ever since. I have tools, like, I, if, you need it, if you need it, I have it and you can't borrow it, basically. That's how, that's how, that's how it works. <laughs> we gotta have a tool for every job, right? My, my, I drive my, my wife nuts. We have a 100-year-old house, and, and, and the doors that are hung in a 100-year-old house, this is before routers existed, and so these guys would measure off where the hinge would be in the door frame, then they would cut into it with a, a sharp knife, two directions, and then chisel that stuff out. So that's what I did to all of our doors in our house, and drives her nuts. Now, every time I'm doing a little remodeling project, she's like, just get a router, just do it with a router. Let's make it nice and smooth and fast. Can we speed this up a little bit, right? So I got a router. You gotta have the right tool for the right job. God doesn't call us to do things that he doesn't give us the things we need. He doesn't always give them to us early. You know that? God is, um, he's never late, but he's rarely early. Now we, we assume, and what we can gather from the, the biblical text is that Joseph and Mary, being from Nazareth, which is kind of like um, banal, or, <laughs> I mean like there was nothing ever special about Nazareth, then, now, anytime in between, you're like, where, where? that's kind of like over here, right? Where is that? Nazareth was like Nowhereville. And so this is not a prominent family. This is not a wealthy family. And so they didn't have much. And so you get this picture of them having to, to get to uh, Bethlehem for the census. And you kind of have this like, Mary's on the donkey. We don't know where the donkey came from. It's not in the text. There's a donkey. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of resources. And then they're here in Bethlehem, she has the baby, and now, now there's a long journey to be had home. And not only that, but they find out that the king is trying to kill Jesus because he's the, he's the, the king of the Jews. And there's a plot. Now you gotta run. And here's this poor couple. How many of you guys have ever been needing to move and not had the resources to move? We moved from Maryland to Florida. We drove down here with extra tires on the roof and changed them on the way. 
And we know what it's like to not have enough to get where you're going. I'm, I, I left Maryland one time as a teenager, went up there for a Christmas, and I'm driving back, and I'm about halfway through Virginia and realize I left my wallet, and I have no money for gas. This is back when you had to use actual money for things, right? And I drive all the way back, barely made it to get, to get my wallet. If you've ever been traveling with not enough, you, you, you know what it's like to be stuck in a, in a situation where you don't know what's gonna happen next. And this is the situation that we find Mary and Joseph in. And look at this in, in Matthew chapter two, just a little further. Look how God shows up and equips Joseph. When they, the Magi, saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, check this out, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. How? In a dream. God's affirming who Joseph is, what Joseph needs, and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son, which is a reference to Hosea 11.1. Now you may read those things and think, oh, cool details, little story. How about you're Joseph and you have to go to Egypt and you have nothing, and then three strangers show up from Iraq with money. Didn't see that coming, did you? We think gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're like, I don't know what those are, but Joseph's like, I'll take the gold, you know? Like, we got, we got a road trip in front of us, and isn't it amazing how God shows up at just the right time? Not just to identify this is the king of the Jews, not just to give, pay homage and give worship, not just to have these three elements that are all about royalty. Yes, that's important and that's how it functions in the story, but God provides for Joseph what Joseph needs. Mary wasn't, she didn't have a side hustle. She wasn't doing Uber Eats. Jesus is a baby. All the responsibility falls to Joseph and God shows up right at the right time. And that's your story, isn't it? Isn't it? Anybody, anybody got that story? You guys are like, I need some magi in my life right now, right? This is the moment for me. Maybe so. But if you have God as your father, he always equips you at just the right time. He sees what you need. He doesn't let you strip out your life. He doesn't let you ruin things. He shows up with the wisdom that you need, with the provision that you need, with the friendship that you need, with the community that you need, with the truth that you need to unlock the lie you believe in, to put, put ground under your feet and to, and to give you what you need to move forward. He's a God who equips us, isn't he? You, brothers, are chosen. You are equipped. Right tool for the right job. I mentioned giving everybody tchotchke gifts. Here's, I wanted to get all the dads a small roll of duct tape and a small can of WD-40, right? <laughs> because really, if you have those two tools, that's really all that you need. Have you guys ever seen the engineering flowchart? By the way, have you seen this? Does it move? No. Should it? No. No problem. Yes. WD-40. Does it move? Yes. Should it? Yes. No problem. Does it move? No. Duct tape. <laughs> really, I mean, you can get 90% of things done with these two. Can they get amen? Yes, you should have these. And so, ladies, if you're looking for an idea, you can stop anywhere on the way home and get both of these. Here's one for young dads, too. I saw this. It's probably inappropriate, but I just thought this is the uh, baby flow chart. It's kind of pixelated. Does it poop? No. Should it? Yes. Prunes. Does it poop? 
Yes, shoot it. No, bananas. Okay, so that's for you guys. Those are proven. So WD-40 and duct tape. And now I just feel like you're equipped at this point. You have everything that you need. If you can do those two things. There's a lot of pressure on us young dads because like our predecessors just had to keep us alive for a while, right? You, how many of you guys grew up with your parents saying, be back by dark? And that was it, you know? And then if you weren't back by dark, you heard them yelling for blocks. That's, that was like, that was good parenting in the 90s and the 80s. Like that, it was like that for centuries. And now like, man, the pressure of keeping up with these kids. And the answer is no, they should not have a phone, by the way, in case you were wondering. That's from Jesus. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Save yourself some, some trouble. Okay. Uh, I was made for this, and I have what I need. You really do. You might be surprised that it's already in your toolbox, and you just never used it, but you have what you need. And if you don't have what you need, God's eager to give it to you. You don't have to worry about it. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, not, nor about your body, what you will put on. Why? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap or gather into barns. And yet, look at this. Your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You were made for this and you have what you need. And I love that Jesus adds this in verse 27. This is kind of like pragmatic Jesus. And he's like, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? Is worrying about it gonna make it any better? No. So you don't need duct tape. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why would you count it joy when you meet trials? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. God's at work, he's doing something. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, which you might still lack, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. You guys have everything you need. And if you have God as your father, there's nothing that you lack that he will not provide 100% of the time. Some of you had a dad that gave you the right tools for the job. I certainly did. Maybe you didn't, but you got a father in heaven, knows what you need before you ask, and is eager to give you everything if you come to him and ask him. And if you have a father like that, you can be the father God made you to be. Amen? Amen. All right, lastly, not only are you chosen and equipped, you can gather both of those two points and feel like God picked you and God pushed you out there into the game, gave you the tools you need, and now he's sitting back to watch. That's what my dad did. This is how we do discipleship, by the way, at Christ Church. We have this, this paradigm. It's the paradigm of I do, you watch. I do, you help. You do, I help. And then you do, I watch. And this is how you can train anyone to do anything. Not everybody learns audibly. Not everybody learns scholastically. A lot of people learn by putting their hands on a thing. Anybody tangible? Come on, if you're a tangible learner in the house, raise your hand. Let me do it once and I can do it again. That's, that's, there's some people that learn just like that. I'm sorry that school was not wired for you, by the way. Uh, it wasn't you that was wrong. It was them, just so you know. But if you learn this way, you put your hands on something and, and, and you watch. And so I, I grew up holding the flashlight for a long time, I just watched. I just watched the power, power steering pump be replaced, just watched the alternator get replaced. Easy stuff like changing the oil and the battery and fixing stuff and building stuff and siding and blocking windows and just hold the flashlight and grab the tools and run back and forth and know where everything is and just materials and tools and flashlights. That's what I did. You do, I watch. But it wasn't too long before it was, all right, you do this. And my dad let me do stuff he knew I was gonna do wrong. 
Remember the first time I snapped off head bolts in the top of an engine and we were taking an engine apart. He's like, why don't you take that off? Okay, what happened? Yeah, you can't do it like that. Oh, where were you on that one? A little heads up would have been nice. Now we're tapping and screwing and cutting and heating and it took forever. But you learned the hard way. You know how many times I've done that since then? Zero, because I don't do my own engine work. <laughs> I stopped. I realized that was a mistake. See, any, you need wisdom, you get wisdom. That's how it works. Um, but we're not just pushed out there to figure it out. And if you, if you, if maybe you had a dad that did that. It was kind of like, all right, now you're on your own and don't call and ask for money. And so you've been kind of independent or had to figure it out on your own. Maybe you grew up without a dad. I don't know what everybody's situation is, but there's plenty of us dads that just feel like we're out there making, the, making do with what we've got or we feel like we've got. And the reality could not be further from the truth. What we see in the Joseph story is we not only have a God who chooses Joseph on purpose to be the stepdad of the eternal king, he not only equips him and gives him the things he needs like we have illustrated for us in Matthew chapter two, but he never stopped supporting him, and you are equally supported by your father. And I don't just mean financially, I mean he's there. He never leaves you. And this is the big revelation that Jesus brought to his people, the Jews. You know his people are all people, by the way. There's kind of a, you're supposed to get that. You're supposed to be, Jesus is the savior who's gonna save his people from their sins, and you think his people, the Jews, because those are his people. But actually, he's the creator of all people, and so if you're breathing, you're his, by the way. And so he became the savior for not just his people, the Jews, but for his people, the human race. And because of this, he can reveal to us the true nature of God, and that's exactly what he does. Matthew's trying to communicate that to us by the fact that Matthew 1, 21 to 23 fulfills this prophecy of the virgin giving birth. And then Matthew 2, 14 fulfills this prophecy from Hosea 11 about out of Egypt, I've called my son. Matthew saw as a Jew in the Old Testament prophecies, the picture of all of these many, many, many details of who Jesus was. He's what God said he was gonna do all the time. God never stops fulfilling his purpose. Do you know it? He does not fail. He will not fail. And he will fulfill his purpose. And the reality is, is that his purpose, though clear for us to see in the sending of Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection, is, is fulfilled in various details all throughout the Old Testament. That's the same God that's your God that's watching the details of your life, that has a plan for your life, that's ready to meet you in the middle of your mess and to show up to give you everything you need. And he does not leave you alone. And Jesus was so emphatic about this that on the night of his death, when he knew his disciples were gonna experience his death in absence and the, and the failure of their faith, because Jesus was not supposed to die, he was supposed to be the king. He was supposed to be elevated. He was supposed to rule in Israel and then be the king of the world. That was their expectation. There was a few other details in between then and now that he had to fulfill, but that's what their eyes were fixed on. And so when he was gonna die and he knew that they were gonna feel alone, he said to them, John 14, 15 to 18, if you love me, which they did, then you'll keep my commandments. Okay, we're gonna do what you say, Jesus, you're the, you're the boss. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. Somebody say with you. And will be in you. So I will not leave you as 
orphans, I will come to you. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? This is Jesus, 33-year-old Jesus. Probably some of the disciples are older than him, probably, at least Peter, we know, is probably in his 40s at this point. And Jesus is saying to older than him, Peter, I won't leave you as an orphan. <laughs> Physically, Peter should be like, uh, I was doing just fine until you showed up. Kind of successful, successful fisherman. I was kind of rocking at that. Now I followed you, so he's saying, listen, I'm your father. I am the source of all things, and I have a plan, and I'm gonna, he reveals to these guys what it's gonna be, but he says, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna be with you by the Holy Spirit. Listen, men, uh, you may not be, you may be here at church, and church is kind of a peripheral thing. Maybe the missus, maybe mom, maybe somebody got you here, uh, but the Jesus thing, the church thing, it's a little uncomfortable. You're happier in the office or in your workshop or behind the steering wheel, uh, and this is, this is a, just a, kind of a peripheral part of your life. Listen, for what God's called you to, you need God's power and presence in you 24 hours a day. And if you feel like a failure, it might be because you're missing the key ingredient, which is the power and presence of God by the Holy Spirit every single day. Listen, church is here to encourage that. And church is here to strengthen that. And church is here to help you connect with God and for us to worship God and for us to do that together and to have a public witness and to give an offering for good works. And we're doing all those things. But what you need isn't actually in here. What you need is right in here. And this is what Jesus promised, and this is what he died to cleanse you so that you could receive. You are not only chosen and equipped, you are supported. You got 24-hour tech support. You ever call for tech support and they're closed? Or you call for tech support because your computer's not firing up? Hello, and thank you for calling. I'm so glad to help you today. This is Kevin. I'm like, your name is not Kevin. That is not... You ever just hang up the phone and try again to see if there's somebody else? You just go, I'm going to call again. I'll wait on hold for 20 minutes to get to a real person. Listen, that is not the support you receive from the Holy Spirit. It isn't. You don't, you don't have to jump through hoops and pray and listen and squint your eyes and ears. What? 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 No, he's right here. He's right here. And if you don't know that, it's time to, to make some room in here to push some fear out, to push some preoccupation out, and to just invite the Holy Spirit right in. And when you do that, you will find that you have 24-hour dad support. And we need it. And we need it. All right, let me wrap this up. Worship team's coming up. That's my sign. That and the giant red numbers. Those are also my sign. So this is what God, this is what God does. I wanted to put the emphasis for Father's Day this year on that God chose you, that God equips you, and that God supports you. I want you to know that's, that's what you need mostly to know. But I also wanna draw your attention as we close to the fact that God works with you, not in spite of you. And I love that the text ends this way. What did Joseph do? When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Think about the simplicity of Joseph's obedience and its resulting benefit to every single one of us. Think about that for a second. Listen, dads, I just love that God makes the message so simple because sometimes us guys, we just need simple. What, is, what does Joseph do here that we can imitate? He submitted. He disobeyed. He said, okay, you're God. I'm not. You're appearing to me in a dream. You're meeting me at the point of my confusion in the middle of my pain, and you're giving me news, and I just trust you, and I'm just gonna do what you say. So he, he submitted. 
And um, submitting to God, not easy and requires sacrifice. Do you know that? He sacrificed. You may not see the sacrifice in the passage. It says, he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And so, all right, let's get married and not consummating the marriage until after you have God's baby. There's a sacrifice right there. I know there's all kinds of family makeups in the room. This is not the typical. This is not what Joseph was expecting or hoping for. This was not a welcome delay. Do you know it? Now, some of you can maybe come from a Catholic background and you're like, wait a second. I thought Mary was a perpetual virgin. Uh, Mary in the Catholic church, over-venerated. Mary in the evangelical church, under-venerated. Mary was indeed highly favored and blessed and we ought to honor her as such. Just scriptures say it. And so don't be anti-Mary. Uh, but Mary does not need her own immaculate conception to be created for her. And Mary does not need her own perpetual virginity to make her pure. In fact, she did have other children with Joseph. Did you ever notice that in the pre-Reformation paintings, Joseph is always pictured as very old? Here's some of these. Because the idea is that Joseph arrives just in time he uh, isn't, you know, active anymore, and then he dies. And we, we know nothing of Joseph. After the, the beginning of Matthew and Jesus' ministry, Joseph's never named again. He definitely died before Jesus was 30. Um, but he wasn't necessarily old. That's a creation of over-venerating Mary. But there was a sacrifice. Joseph did not know his wife. This is speaking of their, their intimacy, their sexual union, until she had born a son. In order for him to take on the calling that God gave him, there was a sacrifice. You, nope, stay out, closed for business. Uh, this is of the Holy Spirit, and so you gotta wait. It, this is what God calls us to. Sometimes the thing we want, the thing we desire, it comes with a delay or it comes with a no. It comes with the calling. And so God's not gonna call you to everything you desire all the time immediately. That's not how calling works. And for us to say yes to God, oftentimes, I'd say every time, is gonna involve some level of sacrifice. All right, God, I'm giving this up in order to do this. I'm not gonna be this person anymore because you've called me to be this person. I'm not gonna have time or resources to devote to this because you're calling me to this. And so if for you to say yes to God is a momentary submission, it's an obedience, it starts you on a trajectory, but it will cost you something and you need to understand that. I don't wanna, I'm not trying to trick anybody, but the blessing of God, the calling of God, the equipping of God and the support of God is always found when God's people are willing to submit and to make those sacrifices. And so this is what God's calling us to do. And then lastly, he stepped up. I love that this section of the scriptures ends with, and he called his name Jesus. It says, Mary, you shall bear a son, and Joseph, you shall give him the name. I'm glad that that's the way God set up husbands and wives to work as mothers and fathers. You bear the kids, and I'll pick the names. Also, if any of you are debating about who gets to choose the baby name, biblically speaking, it's the dad, so sorry. All the ladies are like, glad we weren't born in Bible times. Right? I'll let you guys sort that out at home. Jesus is how we say it in English. God saves is what it means. In Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, Yehoshua. Modern Hebrew, Yeshua. In Aramaic, Yahshua. In Greek, Jesus. In Latin, Jesus. And in English, Jesus. Jesus' name was Josh. But 
the meaning is what's important, not the pronunciation. God is salvation. Dads, it's a tall order, but you were made for it. You may feel empty-handed, but I'm here to tell you, you have everything you need. And when you run into a wall and you don't know what to do, you have a father yourself who is eager to help and to provide 24-hour dad support. And the reason we know that is because he became us so that in him, we might have everything we need. God is salvation. God is deliverance. I don't know what situation you feel the, the need for deliverance from, but God is eager to provide it. I don't know what destructive behaviors, I don't know what abuse you've experienced, I don't know what addictions you're fighting, I don't know what lies you're believing, but I'm here to tell you that God has manifested himself as savior. And if you will turn to Jesus in your heart and with your mind and speak those words, you will experience the salvation, the deliverance. You will begin to know what it means to be chosen. You will rely on God to give you everything you need. And you will walk every day filled with his spirit, with the support that being a dad requires. Amen. Is that truth not better than duct tape and WD-40? Will that not sustain you longer than a sirloin or a Slim Jim? Let's receive it then. Would you stand with me as we pray? God, we give you honor and praise for the dads in our lives. God, we thank you that even though we live in a world that is very complicated, where there's a lot of hurt and pain and collateral damage from bad decisions, just cascading from one generation to the next, Lord, you are the God who moves in to meet us in the middle of our situation, the same way you did for Joseph. And I pray right in this moment, God, as we respond, as we respond to express to you that we are, we are yours. We're not, we're not eager to leave this space. We're not eager to move on to the next thing. We're eager to encounter you and offer ourselves to you and to receive, to make room in our hearts, to receive everything that you wanna be for us and to us. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we can put our faith in him, trust him, walk with him, follow him, learn from him. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are always present to apply these truths and to help us. And so I pray, God, as we respond, especially for the dads today, that we would encounter you, that we would walk out of here confident that we were made for this, chosen, that we have all the tools we need, that we're not missing anything. And if you've called us to it, you're gonna supply what we need. And God, we thank you that we'll never run out of your constant presence and power. In Jesus' name, and if you have faith to receive that, all God's people said, amen.